Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. You've been so good to us throughout this week. Too many blessings to count and keep track of. A thousand dangers of which you have kept us safe from that we are totally unaware. And yet tonight, Lord, here we are because of your grace and your love and your mercy for us. Thank you for bringing us together to hear your word. I pray for more of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come. Fill us. Anoint us. Open up our minds and our understanding that we might understand and receive your word with gladness and joy. I pray that Jesus will be lifted up and that we will have a fresh encounter with him. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're not going to have any slides. I've decided I'm just going to go with, uh, you know, the word tonight and just have us use our, you know, the word of God this evening, whether it's uh, you have an actual Bible or on your device is fine. Tonight I'm going to be sharing a message at, of titled Jesus and the Desperate Mother. Jesus and the Desperate Mother. You know, we are celebrating Mother's Day this weekend. And, um, you know, mothers are precious. They're special. And I know that I had um, a wonderful mother, a praying mother that prayed for me. And uh, again, I, I always refer back to this, but uh, it's the truth. It's, uh, it's a big reason why I'm here sharing the gospel is because of the prayers of my mom. And um, I get to see more of her answered prayer tomorrow afternoon when I go back to Seattle. And we are going to be officially um, a church group a church plant out in out in Seattle. Isn't that good news, Brian? A church plant out in Seattle, and I'm excited about that. I think we're expecting at least uh, maybe uh, anywhere between 100 to 150 people tomorrow, and uh, so I'm excited about that. A lot of them will be my family members also, and so, and, and again, that's the result of, you know, my mother's prayers and the prayers of many others who've been praying for my family. So I solicit your prayers for my family and for that group. We tend, we are, we uh, have a desire to take the city, um, take the city, take the nation. And uh, that only can happen is if, that only happens if we are really willing to go outside of, you know, our comfort zones and minister in our community. So I'm excited about that. I also want to thank you for your prayers for, uh, the sessions that I've been a part of with the young people. Um, last night, I'm going to work backwards. Last night, we had over 30 young people um, come out, Native Americans come out, and also some Pacific Islanders. And we had a wonderful discussion, middle school, middle school children, um, grades 6 through 8. And, man, it was awesome. It was awesome to give our young people and our children a safe space in which they could share their thoughts and express um, some of the things that they're struggling with or they're dealing with in terms of mental and emotional health in their schools. And uh, we had a powerful time um, last night. We had a powerful time on Sunday um, when we gathered in person. Last night was, in, was on Zoom, and then um, Sunday it was in person at the Boys and Girls Club there in Seattle. And so we're going to have continue. Um, we're going to continue our sessions in the upcoming weeks with these young people, and I'm just excited about what the Lord is doing outside of the church. But again, wherever we are, we're the church, right? I mean, whatever space we enter into, um, we are the church. Um, you know, there's, it's interesting. I'll share this with you real quickly. In the United States Navy, whenever, whenever an officer is about to board a ship, is about to board a ship. Officer is about to board a ship. Is about to board a ship. There would be a bong that, that goes off. And for example, uh, Chaplain Barry Black, who is the first African American as, as well as the first Adventist to become a chaplain in the U U.S. Senate. He is currently a cha the chaplain for the U.S. Senate. But not only that, um, he is also an admiral in, and chaplain in the U.S. Navy. And so whenever he, whenever, here's an here's amazing thing. Whenever, whenever he arrives and he is about to onboard, go on board a ship, there would be a bong that goes off and it says, um, U.S. Chaplain Barry Black, you know, arriving. That's what they would say over the, you know, the, the, the loudspeakers and everybody can hear. 
When the President of the United States boards a ship, a bomb goes off and it says, the United States arriving. <laughs> really? When, when, when the President of the United States is boarding a ship, the bomb goes off and it says, the United States of America arriving. So here, here's, here's what I want to share with you in regards to, 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 to what I'm just sharing with uh, to what I just shared. And that is, do you know that wherever you go, wherever you go, it's as if a bong is going off and it says the kingdom of God arriving. Think about that. Yeah, the kingdom of God arriving. Why do I say that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when you read verses 17 down to 21, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. First of all, God reconciles us to himself through his son, Jesus. He restores that broken relationship. He makes us a new creature according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But then when you read further on down, it says that not only are we reconciled to God, but check this out. It says that he gives to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, when we have been reconciled to God, when we've been restored in our relationship with God, God then, through us, also reconciles others to himself and restores relationships. Now, check this out. Then it says, and we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. And you know that the United States, they have ambassadors, right, that go out to all the other countries of the world. They represent the United States of America, and they have the backing of the United States of America behind them because they are the ambassadors of this country. So when God says that we are the ambassadors, we are ambassadors of Christ, we are ambassadors of the kingdom, and whatever space you step into, it's the kingdom of God arriving. (laughs) Oh, man. Woo! Somebody's going to catch that on the way home. And so I'm just saying, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that, you know, Rick, wherever you go, whether it's your workspace, Brian, your workspace, your home, um, when you're out in the community, um, when you step into a barbershop like I did earlier today um, and got this fresh, clean cut from the barber that I go to all the time, and I share Jesus with them. I'm sitting in the chair. We're having conversations and discussions about Christ and about God. Whatever space I step into, and I believe with all my heart that a bomb goes off and it says that the kingdom of God arriving. That's the authority and the power that you have backing you. Now, I know that, you know, law enforcement, and let me tell you, even with all the issues with law enforcement, I still support law enforcement because I know that, you know, that they, 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 they also serve. They're, 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 they're there to protect and serve. I'm not saying that all of them do that, but, you know, the same can be said for pastors. Not every pastor serves. But, but let me just share with you that they, they have the backing of the state behind them. They have that authority. So what I'm sharing with you is that you have the authority of the kingdom of God backing you up wherever you go. Walk in that. Walk in that and believe that. No wonder why it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, that the thing that plagues the church is they have a form of godliness but deny the power. You know, they, we, we look at we look like, you know, outside, externally, like, yeah, but man, powerless. And what the world needs to see, what the community needs to see, what our families need to see is the power of God in our, first of all, in our homes, in our marriages, right? First church, our children, and so on and so forth. So um, Let's get to this story tonight. I wanted to start it off with I wanted to start off with that because you have the kingdom of God backing you up, Joe. Backing you up, Brian. And so if you will go with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and by the way, you'll find the this account also in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 30. But we're going to look at the account in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Please go there with me 
in your Bibles or on your phones. You don't want to miss tomorrow the conclusion, the explosive conclusion of our series Encounters with Jesus. Tomorrow morning, I will be sharing, actually, I'm going to combine two messages tomorrow. I'm going to focus on Jesus and the dead man and Jesus and the thief. His encounter with a dead man and then his encounter with a thief. I'm going to, I'm going to, con- I'm going to conclude my series tomorrow by combining those two messages in one. Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, and please notice what it says, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. When you read the context, you're going to discover that in Matthew 15, beginning in verse 1, the religious leaders criticize Christ's disciples for eating without washing their hands. Okay, And after that discussion... Now Jesus takes his search and rescue team on the longest trip of his public ministry. The longest trip of his public ministry. It's interesting that in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, that was the longest conversation that Jesus ever had or had with an individual in all of the Gospels is with a woman. It's with the woman at the well. It's the longest conversation recorded that Jesus has with an individual, and it's with that woman at the well. Well, what's happening here? Notice what it says in in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of, of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus goes up along the Mediterranean coast, and this is the longest journey that Jesus will take on his during his public ministry. And what we're going to discover is that Jesus takes the longest journey during his mission tour, if you will, for one soul. Again, I think of the demoniacs, I think of the woman at the well, and how valuable a soul is to Christ, how valuable each and every person is to Jesus. He takes the longest journey, the longest trip up the Mediterranean coast for this woman. It says, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. By the way, this is the region, um, Phoenicia, Syrophoenicia. This is the region where Jezebel comes from, Queen Jezebel. Her father was a king of Sidon, and that's the territory from which Queen Jezebel, the wife of Elijah, not Elijah, but Ahab rather, King Ahab, that's where she comes from. Jesus is going up into that territory, into a land and a place where there is a people that are despised and hated by the Jews. Another group of people that are despised and hated by the Jews. And notice verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon or with a devil. So a woman comes out, and by the way, it's interesting. Go with me real quickly. I want to show you a detail that's not found here in Matthew, and we'll come right back to Matthew. But Mark chapter 7 gives us another interesting detail about this encounter. Mark chapter 7, and then we'll go right back to Matthew 15. Mark chapter 7. I want you to notice something here. It says in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse, actually it begins in verse 24, not 21, 24 to 30. Notice what it says here. And from thence Jesus arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and entered into a house and would have no man know it. But he could not be what? He could not be hidden. (laughs) Aren't you thankful that that Jesus can't be hidden? (laughs) It said that he he went into that house and, you know, it said that and did not want anyone to notice that he was there, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. So, praise God, go back to Matthew 15, praise God that Jesus could not be hid, even though he didn't want anyone to know that he was there. But, of course, we know that he basically placed himself in the path of that woman, just as he did intentionally with the woman at the well. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, 
Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So this woman comes and she has, she, she's desperate. She's desperate and she has a desperate request. She's crying out to Jesus and says to him, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. I don't know how many in here are parents, but have you ever experienced this with your own children? Um, Or maybe your parents have experienced it with you or your siblings, where you were vexed with the devil, where the devil was attacking you, the devil was having his way with you or with your children, and you are so desperate, you're so desperate that you're crying out to God to help your child, to help your son, to help your daughter. I was on a phone call this morning, a prayer line that, I'm, that I join as much as I can um, throughout the week. They pray every single day, um, and it's at 8 o'clock in the morning. And there was a pastor that joined our prayer group, and he shared how he has been heartbroken over the last month or so because his oldest daughter has, been, has, has had suicidal thoughts, and she has expressed it. She's, she's a broken young lady. And, she, and even though, check this out, and, and again, I want to I say that whether you've, been bo- whether you've been born and raised in the church or you grew up in the church, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that we need Jesus, folks. And the devil, the devil comes after us. The devil is relentless. The devil is, is a, he's a, he's a, uh, um, a wicked, um, and he does not care. He's a ruthless foe, and he'll do everything in his power to try to break us, break us apart from, from Christ, to disconnect us, to sever us from God. And I, 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 my heart went out to this pastor because he was just crying and saying, please pray for my daughter because she's been expressing these suicidal thoughts and, and we, are, we are concerned about her. We, we were going out to visit with her and we want to just be with her while she's going through this dark time, this dark space. And so, family, you know, you can just think about this, this mother, right? This mother, she's desperate and she's crying out to God. And she's saying, please help me, Jesus. My daughter is attacked by the devil. She's being harassed by a demon. But now notice what it says in verse 23. Notice what it says in verse 23. But he, Jesus, answered her not a word. He, Jesus, answered her not a word. And then check out his disciples. And his disciples come and they say to Jesus, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. She's begging, send her away. She's annoying. She's a nuisance. She's, she's, you know, annoying us. Send her away. Man. You know, it's interesting that Jesus is silent right now. And I'm, I'm going to get to a, a point here in just a moment. Because this is going to be a teaching, a teaching moment for the disciples. Keep in mind that Jesus is taking his church around with him because he knows that he's going to leave this earth at some time and he wants to prepare his disciples to be the missionaries and to fulfill the mission that he has called the church to fulfill and to, and to do. He is, he is preparing his disciples to minister to all, to all ethnicities, to all classes of people. He wants to show them that even this hated and despised race that God loves them, that God's grace is extended to them, and just as, it's, just as it is extended to the Jew, Christ wants to teach them these valuable lessons. He wants them to connect with people who are, by the way, their neighbors, just like those in Samaria. These folks are also, also in need of the gospel, and Christ wants to be sure that he's preparing his disciples, he's preparing his church for mission and for the work of saving souls. They are a part of his search and rescue team, and guess what? For all of us in here who have been baptized, all of us in here that have been brought in by the Holy Spirit and have had a relationship with Jesus Christ, we all are a part now of Christ's search and rescue team. We're not here just to sit in the pews and to occupy the pews and to sit in the church. We have been called to be a part of Christ's search and rescue team. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, again, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
that which was lost. That's the mission of Christ. And all of us, all of us are to be engaged and involved, actively involved in the mission of Christ. We are now a part of his search and rescue team. I'm so thankful that when I was out in the dark, when I was out there doing my thing, when I was out on the streets, when I was out there out of my mind, I praise God that Jesus sent his search and rescue team to come and find me. And now, fast forward to 2022, now I am a part of that search and rescue team. I mean, I can put a picture after picture after picture of whenever there's a catastrophe, whenever there's a natural disaster, whenever there's war, there are always search and rescue teams. And many of these folks who are, who are on these search and rescue teams are actually going to seek and to find people that they don't know. They're willing to even put their lives at risk They're willing to go and dig people out of the debris and from underneath the rubble. They're willing to go out and search for people who are lost, folks that they don't even know. These folks are going out there and search for on that search and rescue team. We, family, are a part of a great, greater search and rescue team, one that is one where people's lives depend eternally. It's a matter of eternal life and death. Think about it. Why would Christ, why would Jesus take his church, take these men on this, on this journey up into, up into Gentile territory? Because he wants them to understand the scope of the mission. And family, I want to share with you, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's always been about Jesus. Would you say amen? It's about him. See, when we make it about us, guess what? Then what happens is we, 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 we settle into this state of complacency. We settle for the same old, same old. We settle for the status quo. <laughs> and, and we wonder why. We wonder why, you know. And, and that's why I praise God for your pastor, my pastor here. And, and Kim, for the vision that God has given them for this community. Because I want to I be, be frank. I'm going to be honest. You know, it's, it's about pouring resources into the community. The church pouring resources and all that we have into the community. Because that's why as important as Daniel and Revelation seminars are, I've discovered that for the most part, and we spend a lot of time sending out brochures and flyers and handbills, putting a lot of resources into those things, right? And, and then we discover that people are not going to show up to the church, uh, you know, to, for those things. Because let, let, me, let me just be honest and, and straightforward. It's good, but I want to tell you right now that those things are mainly, at this point, for, for most people, informational and not relational and not transformational. Okay? Don't get me wrong. Daniel Revelation, I love, I love sharing it, and we ought to share it. The three angels' messages, we ought to share it. But how will the people out there care about? Think about it. When they get their mail and they see that flyer, they, for many of them, that's just like the rest of the junk mail they get. goes into the recycle bin or in the trash or whatever. But what I'm sharing with you is this. But when we start to pour into the community and we connect personally with the community and we show that we care about them and what they care about, then they're going to be open to hear what we're sharing. (laughs) Family. That's why Jesus here gives us another example of why he takes the disciples outside of that area, their comfort zone. He's preparing them for a greater mission. I want you to notice that he doesn't answer her a word. His disciples are annoyed, and they come and tell Jesus, hey, send her away, send her away. She, she cries after us. And you know, you know how it is sometimes, you know, when folks come in, people come in, they come in with all kinds of baggage. And some, some, some folks might find that annoying. What is this person doing calling me at 1 o'clock in the morning? Why am I receiving these texts at all times of the day? Constantly asking for help. 
constantly asking for prayer, constantly asking for somebody to come and visit them. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor? <laughs> right? I mean, and, 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 and they're, they're always in need of, of help. You see, what is our attitude? Do we have the same attitude like the disciples and say, oh, man, Lord, you know, no, no. Beat it. Get out of here. We don't, we don't want you around here. Jesus wants to teach them a very valuable lesson that every soul, every soul is valuable to God. Every soul is a candidate for the kingdom. Notice, notice what happens here. Verse 24. Now Jesus speaks. But he answered and said, I'm not sent. I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. <laughs> uh, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you'll find that early on in his ministry, Jesus did tell the disciples, don't go in the way of the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Not yet. I want you to first to go to Israel. I want you to go first to them. He was saying that also to the 70. And then now we find later on, and, and by the way, his, his missionary travels, though, would take him into the Samaritan and, and over there in Jericho and some of these other spots. And now we find him here. And notice what he says. He says, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, this is a teaching moment. And I hope that we also can pick it up as well. Verse 25. Then notice, though, she's persistent. She's persistent. This woman, then the Bible says, then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, what? Help me. You see how desperate she is? Even though the disciples are trying to tell her to go away, even though Jesus just told her, I've, I've been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's persistent. Why? Because there's something in Christ that cannot be hidden. <laughs> and and, and she's, she's plead, she makes her plea to that. She, I just imagine she's worshiping now. She's on her, you know, begging, Jesus, please, please, help me. Help me. Can I ask you, family, do we recognize, like this woman, that we need help? Or, or do we just continue on doing what we're doing? Do we recognize that we need Jesus? Do we recognize that we need help? She gets on her, she, she, she's begging Jesus. Another, and, and check this out. It, notice what Jesus says to her. But he answered and said, verse, 20, verse, 20, verse 24, no, verse 26, rather, sorry, verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meat, it is not appropriate for me to take the children's bread and to cast it to what? To dogs. Whoa. Did you hear that, Brian? What did, what, did Je- what did Jesus just say to her? He, he just told her. He said, listen, it's not, it's, not, it's not meat. That's what the old King James Version says. But he says it's not appropriate for me to give what belongs to the children. And in the context, he's speaking about Israel to the dogs. Whoa, whoa wait a minute. Is... Is Jesus being racist here? Is he being prejudiced towards this woman? And not only that, he basically just called her a what? A dog. And it's not, and when you look at the, the original language, it's talking about, it's talking about a mutt. 
Now, how would that, how, how would you respond to that? First of all, he says, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm only sent to Israel. And then she's worshiping him and saying, I need you to help me, Lord. And he says, I can't give what, I'm, I can't give what belongs to Israel to dogs. Don't you think that anyone else probably would have shrunk away and just, I mean, like, turned away and, 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 and left? Here's what, I want, here's what I want to share with you. Jesus himself is not, he's not prejudiced, he's not racist. Jesus loves all people. Would you say amen? Samoan, Caucasian, African-American, Native American, indigenous Jesus loves all people. He loves all ethnicities. He loves all classes of people. Here's the, here's the point I want to make. He is speaking to the disciples and their mindset and their attitude. Because according to the Jews, anyone outside of the Jewish nation, they were considered dogs. No, if you look it up, you look it up, it, 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 it's, it's sad. It, it's really sad that the Jewish, many of the Jewish people and leaders had this, had this mindset and the attitude that other people who were not Jew were dogs. Why do you think, why do you think that they looked at certain other, other um, Gentiles, looked at them a certain way, treated them a certain way? The woman at the well, right? The woman at the well. And also, you look at, you look at this woman, the Syrophoenician woman. This, this woman comes from a hated and despised nation and race. Jesus is speaking to them. He's rebuking them. <laughs> he's not, he doesn't, that's the lesson that he's trying to teach here. And not only that, but he's putting this woman's faith through an exercise. Oh, yeah. He's putting this woman's faith through an exercise. And guess what? She's, this mother, this mother is not thinking of herself. She is thinking about her daughter, her child, that desperately needs to be set free from this demon. You know that sometimes God may not, you might not be, you might not only be here for yourself, but God might, be, God, you might be here for somebody else that needs to be set free. You might be, you might be here praying for somebody else who needs deliverance. You might be here praying for a child, a spouse, a, a, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker that is being harassed and attacked by the devil, and you are here in their place to intercede for them, to pray for them, to ask God, help me, Lord, help my, help my daughter, help my spouse, help my husband, help my friend, help my neighbor, help my coworker. It may be that through you, God might answer your prayer when we express and put our confidence and our faith in him that he can deliver those that we are praying for. This mother is desperate. I used to always wonder, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's interesting because my mom, whenever we would have family worship from the time that we were, we were little kids all the way until the time that she passed away, she would always, always, without exception, pray for every single one of her children by name and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren, all the ones that she could remember. She would pray for them. She would weep and cry over her children, over her family. And I can see why God has been moving in a powerful way in my family to try to save all of her children. Why? Because she was a friend of God. She was a desperate mother, a one who loved the Lord. And God heard and is here, and God has heard her prayers, and he's still answering her prayers today. Would you say amen? He's still doing it. So Jesus is not. Jesus is not prejudiced. Jesus is not, you know, showing any type of uh, favoritism here. No. Jesus is putting this woman through an exercise of faith and at the same time trying to teach his disciples a very valuable lesson that they will benefit from moving forward in a, as they represent the God of heaven and the kingdom of God. He said it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Oh, man, I love what she says in verse 27. I love what she says in verse 27. She said, truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. 
Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Would you say amen? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I'm just imagining, I'm just, just, just imagine, Jesus just told her, Jesus just told her, I can't give you what belongs to the children. I can't give it to the dogs. And then she says, that's the truth, Lord. You speak the truth, yes. It's just like Christ saying that, you know, um, that we're, 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 we're sinful. We, we, we're, we're sinners. And, and yet, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, we say, yes, Lord, that's the truth. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I, I acknowledge that I am weak. I acknowledge that I, I am nothing without you. In John chapter 15, verse, verse 5, Jesus says that without me, you can do nothing. Truth, Lord. Yes, that's the truth. But he says, but with me, all things are what? Possible. And then when he says that you're a sinner, yes, Lord, truth, Lord. But guess what? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So, yes, Lord, you're, you're, you're speaking the truth. You're speaking the truth. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I was just at Pastor, uh, Pastor's home just a little bit earlier, and we had a wonderful meal with him and Kim and their daughter Jessica. And uh, they have two dogs there, right? And you have the little dog, and, man, that little dog is just full of energy. Like, I mean, you, that, that dog was like, man, all over the place and running around and, you know, wanting to jump all over my kids. And he just wanted, I mean, is it he or she? She wanted to have a, have a good time, right? But think about it. Those dogs, they've been with the pastor and with Kim. And no matter what, they know. They know that they will be treated well in that, in that home and, sometimes, and, and, and even like family. And she's saying, listen, we still, though, we still... Or even though I may be a dog, but we, we eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> Brian, that, that's amazing faith. Because I want to tell you, I would have been gone already. But that's amazing faith. That, that's, that's the heart of a mother. She's hanging in there because of the love that she has for her child. She's not going to give up. And again, she sees something in Jesus. You know, what's interesting is um, the word of God, right, is considered to be like bread, right? Like bread. Um, Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The gospel of John, chapter 6, it says, Jesus said that I am the bread, the living bread that came down from heaven. And he that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood shall live forever. Talking about, you know, the word of God. Job chapter 23, verse 12, it says, Thy word, um, do, I, thy word do I esteem more than my necessary physical food? <laughs> he said, I, you know, I'll eat your word. You know what the amazing thing is? Is that this entire Bible, this entire Bible, this, the whole, this word of God here, is only a crumb that has fallen. From the master's table. Wait till you get the whole loaf when you get to heaven. This is just a crumb. Seriously. And even this crumb is inexhaustible. Think about that. This right here is it, it's a crumb that fell from the master's table. Well, let me let me ask you guys something. Does this crumb satisfy? <laughs> is this crumb nutritious? Is this crumb delicious? Does this crumb fill us up? She says, man, just give me a crumb. Uh, and, and, and you know what? Check this out. Jesus then says, then, verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy what? Great is thy faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And check this out. And her daughter was made whole in that very hour. Jesus said to her, great is your faith. 
Amazing, isn't it? That it takes a, that this woman, again, from a hated, despised race, exhibits, according to Jesus, great faith. That her daughter was healed in that hour. In Luke chapter 7, I'm not going to ask you to turn to it. I'm just making a reference. But in Luke chapter 7, you have the story of the centurion, the Roman centurion who says, who sends out folks to Jesus and says that my servant is sick. And would you please come and heal? And by the way, he doesn't even say, you know, he doesn't even say you need to come to my house. Because they were trying to get Jesus to go to the house. And, and, and the message was, no, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak a what? A word. Just that little crumb. <laughs> and he said, my servant will be healed. Think, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wanting us to see is, think of this. Think of these ones who are exhibiting and showing great faith. The centurion who's a pagan, a heathen. This Syrophoenician woman who's also a heathen. The woman at the well who, although it's a mixed religion, a, a, a religion that is mixed with, you know, paganism and worship of the true God because they're a mixed race, mixed race you know, they're, they're part Jew as well. But even she is an outcast. Even she is marginalized. Even she is a moral, and, and um, you know, she's an outcast in her own, not just in, among the eyes of the Jews, but also in her own community. She shows faith. Do we have, like this mother, this type of faith where we will be challenged, we will be stretched. There will be some things in our lives that will, that will stretch us to the nth degree, that will challenge us and, and even, even sometimes just really, really break us down. Are we going to cling to God? Are we going to are we going to hang on to Jesus? Are we going to continue to place our faith and our trust in him? Can I tell you, family, that that family member that you're praying for, that coworker, that neighbor that you're praying for, that church member that you're praying for, perhaps they can experience freedom in Jesus simply because of your faith in Christ and the prayers that are ascending on behalf of others God can do that, just like how this desperate mother. And again, it's a lesson for all of us, family. It's a lesson for each and every one of us. That as God's search and rescue team, to, to, how, far are we to, how far are we willing to go to reach a soul? I look at this journey, and it, for me in my mind, I think about Christ taking the longest trip of his public ministry, up into the Mediterranean coast for this one lady and her daughter. Can I tell you that it's, a, it's, it's the same when Jesus came down from glory and made the trip all the way down to earth to save each and every one of us. I want to tell you that I came in here tonight and I'm like, that, I'm like, I'm, I'm like this desperate mother too. I'm asking God, Lord, give us more souls for your kingdom. Give us more people. Help us, Lord, to, to, come, to break out of our comfort zones. Help us, Lord, to, to interact with people. I read, I read where um, Sister White talks about how we are to cultivate the social graces. That means knowing how to interact with different people, how to interact with different groups of people, how to interact in, you know, in different circles and, and the spaces that God would have us go to share the gospel, not only that, but really by our lives, how we interact with people, how we love people, how we treat people. I, I can't emphasize that enough. There, there, are so many, there are so many Christians today 
who have a head filled with knowledge when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to prophecy, and yet they're still some of the meanest people on earth. I'm not saying that that's the cause or that's the reason. And my daughter said something interesting on the way here today. (laughs) She said that knowledge is important, but she says, but I can have all the knowledge, all the knowledge of a celebrity or of a sports star, but it doesn't mean that I know that person personally. And there's a lot of people the same way who have a, who have a head filled, filled with knowledge when it comes to, you know, um, intellectually, right? uh, Intellectually knowing who God is, cognitively knowing who God is. But do you know God on a personal level? Do you have a personal relationship with him? And, 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 it's, and, and it's by getting into his word and, and, and getting to know him through his word, through prayer, through witnessing, and also through being connected with others who also love Jesus. And, and it's a community family. Man, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful and grateful that Jesus did not social distance himself from us. Did you say amen? Even though we were infected and affected by the virus of sin. No. He came right down, mingled with us, pitched his tent next to us, revealed the love of God to us and to this desperate mother. Then it goes on to say, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee. He went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those, check this out, after ministering to this mother, it says that, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those who were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be, to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. So what does he do? The Bible says that after that woman's daughter's delivered, the multitudes come in and they bring all of their sick and their lame. And the Bible says that Jesus heals them all. And the result of that was they were all glorifying and praising God. See, that's why, this is my appeal now, that's why we, we ought to, as we are connected with Christ, We ought to be engaged in his prayer, I mean in his ministry of prayer and healing. Let me me share with you. When the disciples were sent out and the 70 were sent out to heal and to cast out demons and to heal the sick, those brothers did not have it all together. Seriously, they did not have it all together. This might shock and surprise some people, but they didn't have it all together. And yet, and yet, God gave God was with them. So what I'm sharing with you is God wants to use this church to bring healing to this community. You see, healed people heal people hurt people hurt people so what I want to share with my church family tonight is I appeal to you and those who are joining us online tomorrow we're going to celebrate with a baptism right pastor we're going to have a baptism tomorrow right here there might there might be others who might join tomorrow because we're going to make um, another appeal tomorrow for baptism but they're also we're also going to have baptism over there at Rosario Beach and when is that going to happen pastor the last Sabbath of the month Okay, and so 
I just want to appeal to to those who are here. I know Brian is going to be getting baptized. I'm excited about that. Would you say amen, church? And um, and then we have some of our young people that are going to get baptized, um, if not here, at Rosario. And uh, so, family, God has called this church here in Mount Vernon to pray and to be and to heal this community. Remember, wherever you go, wherever the Holy Spirit takes you, you are the kingdom of God arriving. <laughs> That's some serious authority and power backing you up. So just by a show of hands, those of you who would like to be, like to say, Lord, you know, like the mother, um, I need you and um, help me. And then, and then second is, um, Lord, help me to be part of your search and rescue team to bring healing to this community. Thank you. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for the story of this, this mother. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the longest journey of your, your public ministry, your, your mission trips. This was the longest one, Lord, all the way up the coast for this mother, for this one soul. But it wasn't just for this one soul. It was also for her daughter. Lord, what we also discover is that later on in history, we discover that this region, this region, Lord, that there were many, there were many who responded to the gospel and gave their hearts to Jesus as a result of this encounter. And so, Father, I pray for each one in here. I pray for uh, my family, Mount Vernon family. I pray for Pastor and Kim. I pray for all of the leaders of this church. I pray for all of our church family. I pray for our young people. I pray for our elders. I pray for our young adults. I pray for everyone in this space, Lord, because all of us have been called to be a part of your search and rescue team. All of us, Lord, have been called to be vessels and conduits through which your Holy Spirit may flow and that others in this community may experience the love of God and may experience the healing power of God in their lives, that they may experience being set free and delivered from the power of the enemy. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon this church and that you would use this church to be a beacon of light in this community, Lord, and that they will be the church in the community and they will make all these connections and build all these relationships in their spaces and in their circles of influence that the kingdom of God may be expanded and grow. Father, I pray that each and every person in here, and I'm praying also for Brian and for the young people and others that have made decisions for baptism, that you would seal their decision. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in their lives. And we pray, dear God, that you would just fill us with your spirit, fill us with the love of Christ, that everyone that we come into contact with and interact with may have an encounter with Jesus. This we pray in his name. Amen. Amen.